Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. If you're thinking, I should go for a run today, but it looks like it could rain, Sierra says, save on epic rain jackets. If you're also thinking, but I can't go out in these beat-up old running shoes, Sierra says, save on top brand running shoes. And if you're still thinking, but I'm also busy performing brain surgery, well, then we say, you really should have led with that. Sierra, let's get moving to your local store, like now. Go! Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. CeraVe Facial Moisturizers with SPF protect skin against damaging UV rays and continuously deliver three essential ceramides to help restore skin's protective barrier so it can lock in moisture. Non-greasy, fragrance-free, and won't clog pores? With CeraVe, skin feels hydrated and looks healthy all day. CeraVe Facial Moisturizers with SPF from the number one dermatologist-recommended facial moisturizer brand. Welcome to the BBC Good Food Podcast. I'm Tracy Ray, BBC Good Foods Health Editor. In this episode, I am discussing how to supercharge your diet with NHS GP and food writer Dr. Chintal Patel. If you're listening as someone who feels that they have a generally healthy approach to food, but perhaps you're looking for that extra tip to take your meals to the next level, then this episode is for you. Joining me is Dr. Chintal Patel, GP and recipe writer. As well as working in general practice in London for the past 12 years, you'll find Chintal happily experimenting in her kitchen at every opportunity. As a busy working mother, she is passionate about helping people to find quick, easy and delicious solutions to feeding their body in a healthy and sustainable way. Hi Chintal, welcome back to the podcast. Hi, thank you for having me back. So previously, we've discussed practical ways to achieve balance in your diet for the whole family. So if anyone listening would like to hear that episode, you can find it in our January 2023 podcast. However, today, I really wanted to pick your brain on how we can take things to the next level in the kitchen. So we're talking to people who are passionate about food and they eat a good variety, but we just want to get to the nitty gritty and really understand how we can supercharge our nutrition and uh, our plate. So I'm going to start with, there's a lot of discussion at the moment about the move towards eating 30 plant foods a week. Um, I'm sure you've you've heard about that. Um, I was wondering if you could speak 
speak to our listeners a little bit about why there is this move towards variety and why that's so important for overall good health? Absolutely. So um, if we think about it, variety is absolutely key to having a good, healthy diet. Um, And I always say to my patients, focus on what you can add to your diet rather than what you remove or restrict. And naturally, you will increase that variety. Um, And thinking about why it's important, I think we have to go back to the kind of basics. So in order for your body to function, you need macronutrients and micronutrients from your diet. So from macronutrients, we're talking about the, the kind of carbohydrates, fats, protein, that your body uses to make energy, to help build muscle, to repair, and all sorts of organ functions. Um, But you also need micronutrients. And micronutrients are those kind of vitamins and minerals that your body needs in smaller amounts, but it needs lots of different variety of. And the only way that you can get those are by increasing that, that amount of variety in your diet. So for example, if we think about it just literally, Um, certain colored foods might contain certain micronutrients. So we know that sort of orange foods like sweet potatoes or carrots are quite high in beta carotene, which your body then converts to vitamin A, which is really important for eye health, for your immune system, um, helps to decrease your risk of heart disease, diabetes. Um, Green foods would be rich in things like, so green foods such as kale, spinach, broccoli, they would be rich in things like folate, iron, which your body uses to carry oxygen around the body, um, calcium, which your body needs for bone health. So all these kind of different types of food and variety of foods are all necessary to get that that necessary micronutrient profile that your body needs to function. So you've mentioned some really good foods there, lots of fruits and vegetables, which I'm personally a massive fan of. But for anyone who li- who's listening who might be a little bit sick of hearing, eat your fruits and vegetables, um, what are some other foods that we could lean into to uh, get that variety in our diet? Yeah, so I guess um, if we take it back to two important concepts with, with nutrition. So you've got your five a day, which is focusing on getting at least five different fruits and vegetables into your diet. But then we also mentioned plant points and that kind of draws on that five a day and takes it a little bit further because it includes all sorts of things that are grown, so plants. And so that encompasses more than just your fruit and vegetables. So other things that you can add to increase that variety in plant points in your diet um, would be things like beans, pulses, lentils, nuts and seeds, things like whole grains, so quinoa, bulgur, brown rice, oats. These are all plant foods that are grown. And then even simple things like oils, olive oils, which are plant, which are derived from plants, olives, herbs, spices, so all these different things that you can add, and they all contribute to your 30 plant points um, that are recommended during the week. So actually during the course of a week, if you kind of increase those little, all those different types of, of plant foods, you can easily, you know, meet that, that target. So in this conversation of kind of plant points and um, eating 30 plant foods a day and even kind of supercharging our our well-being and and taking our health to the next level something that always comes up is gut health and within that 
I think something that we talk a lot about are fermented foods and probiotic rich foods like uh, yogurt and kefir and things like that. In your opinion, are these foods that we really need to be eating in our daily diet or are there other ways to kind of still achieve health and, and balance in our meals? I think if we take that back to the basics again and think about what is in those foods um, and why they're important for our health. So um, your gut contains trillions of microorganisms in it, some of which are really good microorganisms that help you with your body's functions. Um, and there's so much exciting research going into the kind of good, healthy microorganisms in your body called the gut microbiome. They help you digest your food. They can help you with immunity. They can help decrease the risk of, of things like obesity, bowel disease. They're linked to type 2 type 2 diabetes, some types of cancer. So there's lots of really exciting research going into that. Um, and then you also have within your um, gut microbiome, you also have other microorganisms that are not so healthy. So it's really important to try and keep that balance of healthy organ microorganisms to unhealthy to, to maintain good health. And that's where these kind of supplements that you mentioned, the probiotic supplements might come in. And so probiotic foods are foods that you've mentioned, things like the, the live yogurts, kefir, kombucha, and they all contain strains of these healthy, good microorganisms. So by ingesting them, you're helping to kind of take in some of that good microorganisms within your gut. A couple of things to note, they're, they're kind of quite often part of, of a lot of diets all around the world. I mean, things like sauerkraut in Germany, um, you know, fermented foods are, are very normal as part of certain diets. And within the Indian diets, we have a lot of live yogurts, lassi drinks. They are a really important aspect of good health and good diet. And there's, you can also buy things like probiotic supplements. So these are often drinks, small drinks that you can take on a regular basis daily. Um, and these contain the strains of good bacteria in high concentrations within that little supplement drink. And um, there are pros and cons of taking these supplements too. So pros, you know, they will help to maintain that good bacteria balance within your gut microbiome. However, they don't colonize, so they don't move in and live within the gut. They're just there for that period of time. So you do have to take these supplements daily and they can be quite expensive. But there are times where I do recommend them to my patients because specific times for example if you had a diarrheal illness or if you were taking antibiotics whilst antibiotics are great for killing uh, the bacteria that might be causing an illness they will also kill some of those good bacteria beneficial bacteria within your gut so often if i prescribe antibiotics i will suggest that the patient may want to take a probiotic supplement at the same time um, as taking the antibiotics and for a week after to support their gut health. And then another thing to think about as well is, um, is as well as probiotics and probiotic supplements, um, you also have prebiotics. And prebiotics basically are types of insoluble fiber that you get in lots of fruit and vegetables and plants. So back to those plant points again. And um, these prebiotic fibers actually help feed that gut microbiome. So they, they are the food for our gut and they help maintain a healthy gut microbiome. So whilst they may, you know, they may be indigestible fibers for us, they're definitely supporting our gut microbiome. And these include foods such as, so 
with vegetables, things like um, leeks, onions, garlic, Jerusalem artichokes, asparagus are really all really high in these prebiotic fibers. And then you have fruits, fruits and whole grains, so things like bananas, oats, um, all th- all these kind of products increasing the amount of those kind of foods that you're eating will help increase that gut microbiome and provide good food for that. You made some really good points there in terms of, I think, that distinction between probiotics and prebiotics, not just in terms of food, but also I think when we use the term probiotic, we often do think of of supplements. And as you say, they definitely have utility in terms of um, in a prescriptive sense, particularly, you know, in the case of taking antibiotics or um, where there's diarrhea or certain issues, as you say, but they don't colonize the gut. So it's really important that we are also uh, eating foods that will nourish those uh, diverse genre of bacteria in the gut and uh, maintain that diversity and work in conjunction with those probiotics, whether you get it through supplements or food. Um, So I think that's a really important distinction to make. Normally, something we do a lot on this podcast is um, a bit of myth busting. We love to bust a myth about health because there's so much contradictory information out there. But as I'm lucky enough to have such a passionate cook like yourself on the podcast today, I wanted to switch things around and throw a few quick fire questions at you so that we can learn some of your kitchen secrets, both that you use for flavor, but also for Uh, supporting your health my favorite topic (laughs) (laughs) fantastic so (laughs) what's your favorite cooking oil has to be olive oil and extra virgin cold breast olive oil not just because it has lots of great health benefits proven to reduce you know protect you against heart disease reduce the risk of type 2 diabetes but it just tastes incredible so whether I'm using it in cooking and you can use olive extra virgin olive oil in cooking. I know it has a slightly lower smoke point than other oils, but that smoke point still, you know, around 180 to 190 degrees. So I do use it for baking and for cooking where I'm not going to have high temperature and it just tastes delicious. You are speaking my language. I'm a big fan of olive oil also. And it was a good point that you mentioned on the smoke points. For anyone listening who might want to learn a little bit more, um, we do have an article about smoke points and cooking oils on our website. So do check that out. Um, But yes, olive oil for the win. What about your most used ingredient? That's really hard to put one, but I'm going to I'm going to put it together as spices because I absolutely love spices and I'll I'll put my masala dubba as my most used ingredient because it has lots of different spices in it because I can't pick one if I had to pick two it'd be cumin and turmeric but they just add so much flavor to anything that you're cooking and you know even if I make something really simple like roast potatoes I would just add some cumin seeds into that and it just transforms it it just makes You know, it just takes meals up a level to add some spices. I think you get away with that. We rarely use uh, singular spices and they add so much good nutrition. So I'll give you that one. What's your favorite way to prepare chickpeas? I think I think number one would be in a curry. I love like a good chana masala, really rich, deep curry, lots of tomatoes, onions, garlic and spices. Um, And number two would be hummus. It's so oh, yeah. easy to make a really good hummus with a tin of chickpeas. 
And that's like my ideal snack is hummus and some vegetables. That's such a good one. I swear we go through about 10 tins of chickpeas in this house just for hummus alone. Um, So I'm there with you. What about a healthy food that you actually dislike? Um, I'm not a big fan of oily fish, if I'm honest. So current recommendations are that you should have two portions of fish and one of which should be oily. I do love salmon, but I am not a big fan of the other types of oily fish. Um, I do use them in my cooking because I try and expose my children to other, other fish, but, um, yeah, I find them quite strong. That's No, that's a good answer. And I, I really like good parenting tip as well in terms of still try and expose your kids to, to these foods, even if you don't like them. I kind of mask them with lots of spices as much as I can. You know, the good thing about things like curries is that you can really hide that that fishy flavor within the curry by overpowering it with lots of spices. <laughs> Absolutely. Going back to that masala tin. What about your most used frozen food? I do. So I I have a drawer in my freezer dedicated to frozen vegetables because they're just so convenient and so quick and so easy. So my most used frozen food would probably be peas and sweet corn because they're just really easy to add to things. So I will often stir them into rice. You can cook them really quickly by just adding them to the end of cooking. So it just increases the amount of vegetables that you're eating um, by just quickly adding them to rice. Um, I will add them to things like frittata. Whilst when my kids are young and actually still quite often we'll add them to things like pizza toppings um, and they're just very easy to just add to things. So I always have peas and sweet corn in the freezer. That's such good advice. They're a really good like finisher, aren't they? You know, if you've like have some rice or you have that omelette, just something to throw in that will cook through quite quickly. That's a great tip. What about store cupboard staples? Uh, do you have a favorite or a go-to? I have lots and lots of tins of different beans and pulses. Um, so chickpeas, kidney beans, green lentils, black black beans, um, those kind of products. I find that they take a little bit longer to cook from dried. So having them ready canned is so much easier because you can just literally drain and they're ready to go. And they're such good fillers for things. So, you know, if I'm making even something like a chicken curry, I'll throw in a tin of chickpeas or I'll throw in a tin of lentils or something in just to bulk out that meal, but also increase the kind of fiber and nutrition and plant points within that recipe as well. I love, you know what, I love to hear that from health experts like yourself, because so often I talk to people who are like, I really want to add more beans and legumes to my diet because I know that they're healthy, but who has time to be boiling legumes from dried, which let's be honest, they do taste that bit better when you prepare them from scratch. But I I do think it's a secret that I hear a lot of uh, health experts use is that, you know, for those midweek quick meals, using the tins and that's okay sometimes. So I love that one. Yeah, absolutely. It's so much more convenient. And if you've forgotten to soak them the night before, it takes so much longer. I think just the one comment on tins though, always buy um, tinned produce in its own juice without added water or salt. So those are the things that you will see a lot. A lot of the times with tinned food, um, water or salt might be added or it might be in, in other juices. So yeah, make sure you buy it no salt, no added sugar salt. Absolutely. Very good point. 
What about your go-to meal for kids? Anyone listening who has some picky issues out there? Pasta plus, because you're going to always add things to it. <laughs> so um, I think pasta is one of those things that most kids love. And the beauty of it is you can just add so much nutrition into the sauce that goes with that pasta. I find whatever sauce I make the pasta in, my kids will eat it. Just pasta is one of those universal loved foods, isn't it? So quite often I will, um, if I'm talking to patients who might have fussy eaters, I will suggest blending things into a sauce. If they're more willing to be open, you could just leave things, you know, leave different vegetables in the sauce. But it's so easy to puree in kind of spinach, courgettes, aubergine, different vegetables. You can up protein by I quite often add um, things like silken tofu into pasta sauces or or edamame beans into pasta sauces because they just the silken tofu just blends in, gives it a really lovely creamy flavor, increases your plant points and your your um, protein content, but it just tastes delicious and it they can't always tell that there's something additional within that sauce. That's a really good tip, silken tofu, um, especially for anyone who might be uh, plant-based or, or vegetarian and trying to figure out ways to get um, protein into their kids or even anyone who's not plant-based or vegetarian and just wants to increase their plant points. I haven't heard that one. That's a really good tip. Yeah, I've just I've just written a recipe for um, for, the, for the BBC Good Food app with, with that actually within a, a, a sauce, a pasta sauce. So if um, if any listeners wanted to check it out, it's there in the app. So the last quick fire question I have to also ask your go to midweek meal, because we're all busy and we just want to eat healthy. Please tell us <laughs> what can we prepare really, really quickly and nourish our bodies with? So for me, it would be a curry because I find that that is the one quick meal that I can throw in whatever happens to be in the fridge um, or I can use a store cupboard staple to make it. So I know that if I haven't had a chance to go shopping, I can very easily whip up a curry with either two tins of chickpeas, some spices, onions and garlic. Or if I've got some vegetables in the fridge that are looking a little bit tired, they can just very easily be transformed by sticking them into a curry. And then I would serve that with rice. And as I said, rice with additions. So I would usually do something like if I've got time to make brown rice, great. If I haven't, a, a quick tip would be to do a half and half. Um, so I would often put half white rice with quinoa. So half quinoa, half rice. Um, they often, they cook at a very similar time. So you can just leave them boiling in a pan together whilst you make your curry. Um, and then they're ready to go. And that way you've got some increased plant points and whole grains and fiber. Um, but it's still a quick, easy meal. That's a great tip. I haven't heard that quinoa rice uh, or well, quinoa white rice combination. I love that. I often do it as just a, a way of, of trying to, you know, because it's, it's not always easy to put, to make brown rice. I find it takes so long. You do have to plan it, don't you? Because it does take longer to cook. And this is my kind of compromise, add something to the white rice instead. So, you know, focusing again on kind of adding that variety, adding rather than removing. Don't take white rice out of your diet because it's, it's fine to eat it as part of a balanced diet. Just add something else to it to make it more nutritious. 
Absolutely. And I think one of the things taste wise with brown rice is that it has that lovely texture and nuttiness. But by adding the quinoa to the white rice, you're still getting that kind of added texture um, and taste differentiation. So that's another great tip. Um, I'm going to add those to my list. <laughs> um, so I want to uh, move to a few confessions because I love to know the behind the scenes um, of uh, health experts like yourself, um, because I know myself, I definitely, I eat a lot of healthy food, but I definitely enjoy um, some of my treats as well. So I'd love to know, of all your advice, what do you find the hardest to follow? I do have a bit of a sweet tooth. So whilst I eat really healthily and we have, you know, loads of variety and we easily reach our 30 plant points, um, I do find it probably quite difficult to stick to the recommended allowance of sugar um, because I love a sweet dessert or bake or something. Um, I'll quite often just try and, you know, have a little bit of dark chocolate or something in the evening if I have to, but I, I don't know. It's I quite like having that little something sweet after a meal in addition. So that's probably the thing that I find the trickiest. Definitely. No, I hear you on that one. I think um, if you have a sweet tooth, it doesn't go away just because uh, you know about health. But I do think one of the benefits is that you do know the effect of sugar on the body. So you can kind of choose it um, in a balanced way and, and enjoy it in a balanced way. So that's a really good one. And for our final question, a lot of people listening, I'm sure they're thinking about their 2024 uh, goals or, you know, moving into a new year and trying to uh, boost their health. So I would love to hear if you have any piece of advice, what's one thing, one practice um, that our listeners could take on board and implement in the new year? I think if I had to give one piece of health advice, I would say focus on increasing and adding as much as you can to your diet. So increasing the variety and, and just adding different things, different new things all the time to your diet. And I think if you automatically, you know, if you can keep adding new things to your diet, you automatically will balance out some of the other things and so you don't necessarily need to restrict or remove anything from your diet, but just work on what you can add to it um, to increase your variety as opposed to kind of thinking of, yeah, I would say add as much variety and add as much as you can to your diet. No, I think that's great. Focus on the good. That's probably a good message for um, all aspects of life. Um, and I'm definitely going to take that one into the new year. Well, uh, we've come to the end of our time, um, but thank you so much, Chantal, for taking the time to be with us and to uh, share your sage wisdom. I've really enjoyed chatting to you as always. And for anyone listening that would like to find out more about Chantal, uh, you can find all of the links on our podcast page at bbcgoodfood.com forward slash podcast. Thanks, Chantal. Thank you very much for having me, Tracy. Thank you for joining me for our special health series. Next week, join Malika Basu, who will be speaking with a very special guest. 
Don't forget about our bonus recipe episode out on Thursday where you can cook along to make creamy edamame pesto pasta with rocket salad. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Good Food Podcast. For more health tips, guides and recipes, please visit bbcgoodfood.com. Bye.